everyone. This is Pastor Ryan, and this is our podcast. Welcome to Live Alive Church, and I just want to thank you for listening in. I hope this message encourages you, strengthens your faith, and causes you to keep pressing forward for who God has called you to be and created you to be. God bless. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 3, this is what the Bible says. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. And in all. Everybody say that with me, that last part. Who is over all and through all and in all. I know you guys can read louder than that. Ready? Say it again with me. Who is over all, through all, and in all. So what I want to speak to you today is on part three is unity. So let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you, God, that we can stand here in your presence and receive what you want to speak to us. Father, I pray that you would anoint my lips and touch my tongue to speak your word with boldness and clarity and directness of purpose. God, that I would speak eloquently your word. God, that it would liberate us and change us and transform us to make us better, to have better relationships and to understand the power that is in relationships, the power that is within us to reach the world together. So, Father, I pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. The book of Ephesians is a letter to the book of Ephesus that Paul wrote to particularly the Gentiles that were in that city. Ephesus was a city that was known as a big port city where there was goods that would come all around the world into the the, uh, city of Ephesus. Not only was it a big city that there was goods and things of that nature that came into the city, but it was a pagan city where they worship pagan gods and they would be up all night and all day and they would worship the goddess Artemis. And when they were there worshiping the goddess Artemis, Paul had in mind to go on a missions trip. And God sent him to the city of Ephesus to plant The church of Ephesus. Sometimes God will make you do things that you really don't want to do and make you go into things that you probably don't really want to enter into. But on the flip side of that, when God brings you into a certain situation, He will bless you and plant you and liberate you and bring you freedom and bring you healing and bring you deliverance wherever that situation is. So as Paul is there in Ephesus, and he plants the church there in this pagan city, this, this, this letter was wrote to the book of, uh, uh, to, to the Ephesians because there was a uh, division. There was division among the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews thought that the promise of God and that the gift of Christ coming to die on a cross was just for them. 
but it wasn't. It was for the Gentiles as well. The Gentiles, in other words, are not the Jews. The Jews thought they were the promised people. They thought they were the only ones to receive the blessings of God. They thought they were the only ones to receive the gifts of God. And I don't want us to ever be that type of people where we come to church and we act as if we're Christians, that we're the only ones to receive the gifts and the freedom and the healing of God. Because there's also people out there that God died for that are lost. You're not the only person God died for. There's people out there that are broken and that are hurting right now in their marriage, in their relationships, in their and, and their occupation and, and things that are going in, on in their lives that they need healing from. They need God to open up doors. But God is doing something in this city where he uses Paul. And as Paul is writing this book and writing this letter to the church of Ephesus, he's in a prison. And he, these types of prisons that they had back then were not prisons like we have today. They weren't where a guard would come and bring you a meal three times a day or where you actually had a lunch hall where you could go eat and sit down and, and mingle amongst the other people that were in the prison. These types of prisons that Paul was in back in that time of day were sewers. There was rats and mice and, and they would open up during the certain time of day where they would open up the sewers. There was doors on each end of these prisons and they would open up the sewers where the feces would just blow through the prison. So Paul was down there amongst feces and, and just sewage and, and, and you can imagine him still believing and trusting in God writing a letter to the church of Ephesus, letting them know that the gift of God was not just for the Jews, but it was also for the Gentiles. And he's still in the midst of this. See, sometimes we have to understand, even though we're not in the midst, uh, even though we, when we are in the midst of a storm or in the midst of darkness in our lives and struggles that we go through, we have to continue to hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Christ in order for us to carry through, for him to carry us through on to the other side of what we're facing. And Paul believed that and he had faith in God that God was going to wreck a city for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what he did. So he essentially wrote this letter to bring unity to the church of Ephesus, not just for the church, but it was wrote for the whole city, for everybody else to believe it. So there would be unity among the Jews and the Gentiles because that's what the enemy came to do. He came to divide. He came to bring division in relationships. He came to bring division in homes. He came to bring division in marriage. He came to bring division with, with relationships between uh, daughters and, and sons and, and, and things of that nature. And he came to bring division to separate them from the relationship that they have with one another because he knows the power that is in unity. He knows the power that God can do in somebody's relationship, in somebody's life, and how God can move about people's lives and what he can do in people's lives. See, God, your God, the God that we serve is a God of unity, right? He is a father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, they are all one but three persons. Some of you are like, what? 
Let me explain it to you this way. I've heard that the Trinity can be told in the illustration as an egg. That an egg has a hard shell, the white part, and the yellow yolk inside. But it's three different parts, but all in one. I've also been told that you can look at it as a pretzel. How a pretzel has three different holes, but it's all one. Me, and this is mine, and I didn't steal it from nobody. This is, I just love food. I like to eat. So the way I look at the Trinity is when you go sit down at a restaurant, you get an appetizer, you get an entree, and you get dessert. And guess what? It all comes on one check. <laughs> you don't pay for it separately. It all comes on one check. But your God is a God of unity. They work in unison, simultaneously together, moving and changing in all different kinds of directions. Just like Ezekiel said in the, in, in, in the Word of God that God is like a wheel inside of a wheel because what he was explaining is that God is always whole and he's always moving. God is always moving and he's always doing things in unity. And that's what the enemy has tried to come and destroy is the unity among relationships, the unity to build the church, the unity to reach the community. And guess what? You are also three different parts. You are a mind, a body, and soul. All wrapped up in one little shell. Your mind, your body, and your soul is your emotions and your feelings. All wrapped up in one. And that's what the enemy tried to come do and tried to destroy. And that's, what he, that's why Jesus said that you need to love the Lord your God with all your what? Mind, all your heart, and all your soul. Because he knows that if he can attack your mind, then he can distract you from the destiny that God has called you to. And he can disrupt the plan of God. See, the enemy has come to try to disrupt. But even though he has tried to come and disrupt... God has a plan even through the disruption. Even what, just like Joseph said at the end of his story, he said what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Me and Levi were having a conversation the other day, and we were talking about Jesus on the cross. And he, and he said, Daddy, he said, he said why, why did the bad people put Jesus on the cross? I said, well, if they knew what they were truly doing, they would have never did it in the first place. And he said, oh, so the bad people were actually doing a good thing? <laughs> and I said, you're absolutely right. Because what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. But watch this. Where there is no unity, there is no power. If there is no unity, that's why the enemy is afraid of worship. That's why the enemy is afraid of a husband and wife coming together and praying. That's why the enemy is afraid of bodies, uh, um, uh, members coming together in the church service because he knows when, when we operate in unity that the Spirit of God is going to move and there's nothing that the enemy can do. And the louder we get, the more we connect, the more we build relationships, the more we come bigger, the more powerful we'll be come see right now it's just a few of us and if we worship God in unity it's just you know we're, we're building up 
we're building up. But the more people we continue to connect with and continue to get with, the more powerful we will become. Just like in the book of Genesis, when the Bible says that the whole universe, that when God had created all men and all people, and there was people roaming the earth, that God said that there was one language. And that when they were in one language, see, could you imagine all of us being having one language nowadays? So that the Bible says that there was one language, right? And so God, what happened was, is they said they had this brightest idea. So let's build a city. And as we build a city, we're going to build a tower, which is, you know, as the Tower of Babel. They built this city. They said, let's build a city to reach the heavens. And God said this. This is what God said as they were building this city. Are you ready for this? He said, if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Do you understand what I just said? God told them the reason why he didn't didn't disperse them at that moment is because they were such in unity building this city and building this tower that he said if I don't do something about this I'm going to wait afterwards to scatter all the people across the earth but I can't do anything now because they're such in unity that I'm going to have to wait until they're finished and God said that if they begun to do this now then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them and that's the same thing in your life if we continue to be in unity amongst each other in our relationships in our community in our church in our workplaces that there will be nothing impossible for the enemy to try to or impossible for us to do and there will be nothing that the enemy can do to stop you there'll be nothing he can do there'll be nothing Everybody say nothing. There'd be nothing. There'd be nothing. Even, even y'all know the story about Moses when he was up on the mountain of Sinai, right? Y'all know that story? Come on, speak. I like how y'all speaking. Speak back to me. I preach a little better. You speak to me, I might be here all day. If you don't, if, well, if you don't speak to me, I might be here all day. If you speak to me, you, you might get out of here a little earlier. Hey, man, look, y'all like, yeah, get me out of here. I'm hungry. I'm hungry too. Let me get through this. We're going to get through it together. So what happens is, is that where there is no unity, there is no power. God understood the power of the unity that they were going through to build that tower of Babel and to build that city. And then afterwards, the Bible says that God scattered them abroad and that he gave them all a different tongue, a different language. And then... We believe on the day of Pentecost, that's when God brought that back to fruition. And when the Holy Spirit came, that's a whole nother story. I'll have to preach that to you. But everybody knows the story of Moses on Mount Sinai when he was up there and he was speaking to God face to face. And the Israelites were down in the valley and God told him, Moses, make sure they don't come up a little. If they come up a little bit farther, I'm going to strike them dead. I only want you. Come up here and talk to me. And when he was up there, God gave him the Ten Commandments. And when he gave him the Ten Commandments, he came back down and he spoke to the Israelites. And this is what he spoke to them. He said that we're getting ready to build the tabernacle of God. And this is what happens. Everybody who had their own gifts and their own calling was placed 
in that position to build the tabernacle of God. If you read it in the book of uh, Exodus, I believe chapter 34-ish, 36, something like that. It talks about how when he came down, he dispersed. He dispersed all the um, people to different positions to build the tabernacle. I mean, it even goes into detail on how people were able to build, you know, the, the, uh, the, the lampstand and, I mean, just the stuff to fill it. But do you understand that everybody came together to build one thing that was something so powerful, guess what, for the power of God to dwell? Do you understand what I'm saying? If we all come together in unity and work towards the vision and work towards the things that God has called us to and that God has given us, the gifts that God has given us, if we use it for the good, because each person in here has a gift, whether you believe it or not, God can use you. You are never too far gone from the grace of God. You hear me preach that all the time. You are never too gone from the grace of God too far gone you never God has a calling God has a purpose for your life and and when they were when Moses came down he gave them all something to do and they were all gifted in different areas to build the tabernacle to build the the the, the most holy of whole I mean it just goes into all of it and and if we could just do the same thing that we could build the house of God and it would be something so beautiful for all of us to see. And it would be something so magnificent that it would blow your mind. If Moses came down and delegated everybody in their own areas and gave them and, and they had their own gifts to work towards a vision, then we shall do the same thing and we will be able to reach this city for Jesus Christ. Not only... Not only did that happen, but here's another illustration. I believe that the Bible says in, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost that they were all in one what? One mind, one mind, and one accord. They were all in one mind and one accord. And when they were there in one mind and one accord, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit what? came and dwelt on them in cloving tongues of fire and each one of them started speaking in different languages and that's what happens when we are in unity and that's what the enemy has tried to come to destroy is our unity amongst our relationships our unity as a church because he knows that where there is unity there is power do you understand what i'm saying just like the car you drive if it didn't have electronic battery if it didn't have gas if it didn't have spark plugs if it didn't have all these things to make it operate you would not have the power it would not have the power to get you from point A to point B. It all works together. It all comes together. That way you can take that car and drive it to wherever you need it to go. And listen, the more horsepower it has, the more powerful it is. And I believe that we need to get to a place in the church where our horsepower is high. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the only way to do that is to be a people of prayer. And that's one of our eight core values as a church is prayer. That we will be consistent in prayer. 
trying to get to the feet of God and to reach this city for Jesus Christ and to reach those who are broken. So watch this. The enemy is afraid of unity. That's why he's trying to cause divisions among people, relationships, and marriage. Listen to this story. Jesus healed a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, right? He healed this guy, and the Pharisees had something to say about it. The Pharisees heard about it and said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that he drives them out. And Jesus said, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. But if I do things by the Spirit of God, he said, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Did you hear what I just said? He said, he said every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. He said, how can, uh, how can demons cast out demons? They're not divided against themselves. Let me tell you something. Demons are regiment. Demons are in unison. Demons are in different parts of the city in different regions taking territory and taking taking up marches and going in homes he's been doing this the devil has been doing this for years and years and years that's why he's going after generation upon generation that's why things that you've struggled with that your grandmom struggled with and your granddad struggled with and your parents went through and you're wondering why because it's generational and we have to get to a place where we're breaking every generational curse that is on our lives just like when I was an addiction my mom was an addiction my father was an addiction but God came through in my life and he broke that chain off of me and that generation stops right with me that way my kids don't have to know what uh, uh, living in, in sin is or living in drugs are and living in a house full of drugs and living in a house where people are selling dope and going through that situation and going through abuse. That way they can grow up in a healthy household and building healthy relationships. That generational curse stops with me. Somebody give God praise for that. Because I believe it in your life and I believe it, Kim, in your life that the generational curse stops there. Cody, it stops with you. It, Jessica, it stops with you. Cody, it stops with you. And I'm telling you right now that it, that's why it's been so hard for some people in this place. Because the enemy is afraid of who you're going to become. The enemy is afraid of the destiny that God has for you. He's afraid of you getting in unison with God. He's afraid of you getting in, in unity with the Spirit of God. God and living by the word of God and living according to his word because he's afraid of what God is going to do in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Watch this. Second thing I want you to know is where there is no unity, there is no purpose. First thing, where there is no unity, there is no power. Second thing, where there is no unity, there is no purpose. It is important in any kind of relationship, to know its purpose. Do you understand? We must have a goal in mind to build healthy relationships. The enemy wants to destroy your purpose, your calling, and your passion. We all know what the purpose of a marriage is and why 
God has put us with one another, our, our different spouses. We know what that is, but why? What is our purpose as a man of God, as the head of the house? What is our purpose as the woman of God in the relationship, in the marriage? And, and what is our purpose with our friends that we link with, with our confidants that we have? And, you know, not a lot of us had them, and we can't, you know, trust everybody, you know. No, 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 no. no. Uh, 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 uh. There's things that I've shared personally with some people that I thought I could trust. And they turn right back around and they bite your head off. And listen to me. You have to be careful who you spit your venom to and how you unload and unleash your rage and your frustration and who you're venting to. Because a lot of people aren't just for ears. They're, 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 they're there so they can gossip. And let me tell you something, there's a lot more people going to hell for gossip than there is out there going to hell for turning away from God. Because the Bible talks about that in Galatians. The enemy is trying to destroy your purpose, trying to destroy your passion, and trying to destroy your calling in your relationships. Because he knows if he can take away the unity of that, of what your purpose is in relationships, then he will take away the calling and he will drive you emotionally tired, physically tired, and mentally tired. And that's exactly where the enemy comes in. And just like Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, he said that you need to put on the armor of God, putting on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and girding yourself with the belt of truth, and keeping on the boots of peace. And listen to me. I, you know, I've said this before, and I was in Bible college, and, and one of the professors, he said, he looked at, the, looked at all of us, and he said, how many put on the armor of God today? Everybody raised their hand. And he said, well, why did you take it off? Some, some of y'all get that when you walk out the door today. But listen to me. We have to understand that the enemy is trying, if, if we don't understand what the enemy is trying to do, then the enemy will sneak in and destroy you. We have to understand his tactics. We have to understand what he's trying to do in our lives. And I'm trying to hurry this up. I really am. Uh, let's go to the story of King David. When King David was uh, supposed to be anointed as king. And he was just a little shepherd boy out there shepherding sheep. And out there, you know, you know doing his thing for his father. And, and you know, and then, and then Jesse, watch this. Jesse was his father. And when, when you can find this in... 1 Samuel chapter 16, I think, or 17, right around there. And, and so there, everybody knows the story of King David, right? Coming where, where Samuel, the prophet, came to try to anoint or was coming to anoint him. And Jesse had all his sons there, all seven of them, but he was missing one. All seven of them. And God said to Samuel, he said, the one I show you will be the one that you anoint. And so he got there, and Jesse was there, and his sons were there, and he went down the row, and you know the story. He looked at each one. Surely that's the one. God said, no. Went to the next one. Surely he's the one. God said, no. He's not the one. On down the line he went. And he said, at the end of it, he said, There's, he's not here. Do you have another son? And Jesse 
said, well, I have another one, but he's, he's shepherding sheep, a flock of sheep for me out in the field. And Samuel said, well, go get him. And sure enough, when, when, uh, when David came to Samuel, God said, that's the one, anoint him. He said, I don't look at the appearance of man, but I look at the heart of men. And that's what God did. And watch this. This is what Jesse didn't understand. Jesse didn't understand his purpose of their relationship. He didn't understand his purpose of his son's relationship. David was, in other words, an outcast to all his other brothers. He was the youngest of them all. He was the youngest of every one of them. But he counted him out because he was the youngest one. And he didn't understand the purpose. Even when, even when he thought that, you know, all his other sons surely could have been king. He said, nope, they're not the ones. He picked David. Jesse didn't understand his purpose. When we know the purpose of our relationships, we will understand its potential. Do you understand? And he didn't understand that. So if you understand the purpose of your relationships, you will understand the potential of what can happen. You will understand the purpose of the relationship. You will understand how to cultivate that relationship and how to develop that relationship. No matter even if it looks like that you're not king yet and you're just a little kid. You know, that little kid one day will be king. And, and it doesn't matter what kind of relationship you're trying to build. You have to understand its purpose in order for you to understand its potential. And so that way, the reason why there's no unity in that kind of relationship is because we don't understand the purpose. If we understood the purpose of the relationship, we would do things to cultivate that relationship, to build that healthy relationship with that person. So so that not only we can see our potential, so that person can see their potential. And that's the exact same thing that Jesse was blind to see. He didn't see his own son's potential. Went through the whole line of his seven sons and got to King David. He saw all his other sons' potential. But he didn't see King David's. Does anybody ever feel like that sometimes? That everybody else has passed you by. Everybody else is getting what they need. But you don't feel peace. You don't feel your potential. You don't feel like you measure up. You don't feel adequate enough. But see, what they didn't understand was is that God was preparing David in the field. God will always prepare you in the field before he brings you into your potential. Do you understand what I'm saying? He will prepare you. He will develop you in the field. You first have to take care of sheep before you carry on the anointing. You have to first carry on. You have to first develop, allow God to develop who you are. So that way you can be who you can be for a, a relationship. Because a lot of us jump into relationships without understanding the purpose of who we are first. Because if you don't understand who you are first, and you don't get yourself right, and you don't know yourself, you ain't going to be no good for the other person. No good. 
I, I told guys all the time when I was a counselor at Team Challenge, I said, look, you know, they were always worried about their significant other and girlfriend that, girlfriend this. I said, look, brother, you ain't going to have no relationship with her. You're going to keep doing the same thing. What's that? Insanity. Doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I mean, dude, you got to get yourself right before you think you can get anybody else right. You got to get yourself right before you can get your relationships right. Am I preaching? I'm stepping on toe. Y'all looking at me. And so what happens is at the as Paul is writing this book to the church of Ephesus, how all this ties in together is God is trying to get them to understand that there cannot be division among the Jews and the Gentiles. There must be unity because Paul. Paul also said that we are all one body. And he's trying to get them to understand that we all are one body, jointed together and fitted together to work towards the call of God on our lives. And, God, and guess what? Watch this. Watch this. I almost forgot something. The last thing I want to talk about, and I'm done. Because y'all are tired and hungry. I can see it. Where there is no unity... There is no effective prayer. Where there is no unity, there is no effective prayer. If there's division among you, I don't care what kind of prayer you pray, <laughs> ain't nothing going to happen. That's why the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, it shall be done where two or three are gathered together. That's why when you go to um, Joshua, I believe chapter 10, they were on their way to fight against the Amorites. Yeah. You know the story? They were on their way to fight against the Amorites, and God gave them victory. God gave them victory. But what his prayer was is his prayer. Let's, let's everybody turn to it real quick because I, I want to read it. I want to read it to you because I feel like I'm going to shout this thing real quick because I feel it. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my spirit. Joshua, where are you? Joshua, 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 chapter 10, chapter 10, chapter. This is what he says. This is, this is what he said. This is what God says, though, first. So Joshua marched up, verse 7, Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. Watch this. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Can I tell you right now, I don't know who that spoke to, but I guarantee there's something that the enemy, there's an assignment that he's tried to attack you with, tried to destroy you, but there's nothing that can withstand you. There's nothing that can come against you because when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up the standard. Do you hear what I'm saying? But watch this. This is what he says. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ahilan. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nations avenged itself 
on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jasher. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Do you understand what he just did? He prayed that, the God, that God would cause the sun to stand still so that way they could continue fighting to destroy the enemy that was at hand. Do you understand what this implicates? It implicates that when you pray, God will stop heaven and earth on your behalf just to destroy the enemy that is trying to come against your home and come against your family and come against your relationships and come against your health. God will do whatever it takes to make his word come true. He will stop the sun just like he did with Joshua just to give you victory. He will stop the moon and the sun and he will stop the earth on its axis from spinning just to give you that ought to make somebody shout in this place I don't know who I'm talking to but God will do whatever he has to do to destroy the enemy that is coming against you because no weapon formed against you shall prosper nor no weapon that comes against you will prosper nor any tongue that come against you will, will, will prosper because what guess what it shall be condemned because this is the inheritance it's your inheritance say it's my inheritance it's my inheritance it's my inheritance. God said it's mine. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against me, it shall be condemned. Because why? It is my inheritance. It's mine. There's nothing the enemy can do to take my inheritance because I am heirs with God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? What I have been now bought into the family of God, that I am now in sonship with him. That why, that's why Paul said now we get to cry out, Abba, Father. We get to cry out, Abba, Father. Because now we have been brought into the family of God. I don't know. Did you guys get anything out of this today? Yes, Once you stand to your feet, because I'm sweating, spitting, shouting. <laughs>